The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. My guess is that some of the most common questions that you have heard over the past week are, of course, things like, what's your major? Where are you living? Where are you from? You know, somebody might think they're getting really creative if they say, well, well what's your class load like this, this quarter? Okay. And now, hopefully, maybe you've heard some more creative questions. Maybe you've actually been the one to ask some more of those uh, creative questions. Uh, but I, you know, I want to maybe help you out uh, with, with some of that, you know, and give you just some, some kind of classic pickup lines, okay? <laughs> I know, right now I see guys like scrambling for their journals. Like, I knew, I, I knew that was something I came for tonight. Well, he, I'm, I'm here to help you, okay? I'm here to help you break the ice. Of course, there's, you know, there's, there's some of the old standards, you know, the, the old classics. Like, ooh, you know, you come here often. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about ones that are a little bit more uh, creative than, than that. More creative than Joey's, you know, how you doing, you know? <laughs> They're ones that maybe require a little bit more wit, uh, a little bit more creativity. Walking up to somebody, you know, really quickly and saying, uh, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry to bug you, but uh, I lost my number. Can I have yours? Okay, you see what I did there? It was just really, it was quick. It's to the point, and who knows? Somebody might go, oh, oh, yeah. And it might take them a second, but you already have their number. Okay? <laughs> a second one, you know, you might go bouncing up to somebody say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit hungry. Uh, you know, do you have, do you have a snack? Maybe some raisins? Oh, you don't have any, you don't have any raisins? How about a date? Okay? <laughs> See? Now here's, now stay with, here's what I like about that. Is that you're talking about, you're, you've broken the ice, you're talking about food, and maybe it gives you an idea of a place you can go out for a date. You see what I'm saying? Now, there's always, a good one is always the, the, the kind of directional related one. Uh, you, you know, for example, uh, you know, you might walk up to somebody and, and, and be like, you know what, I, I'm new to campus here, and I was wondering if you could give me directions to your place. Okay, now, yeah, I know, I know. I know, I like, I like that one because people are so willing to stop and give somebody looking for directions a little bit of help. But this is, I, I admit, you need to be careful with that one because it, it could easily get you the label creeper in a, in a hurry, okay? But if we were going to stay with the directionally challenged ones, you might do, uh, yes, uh, excuse me, uh, do you have a map because I'm lost in your eyes? Okay. See, right? Right? I like it because it shows you're paying attention. Right? But again, it, it is a little bit forward. And then, you know, this one kind of cuts to the point a little bit more. And this is actually a good one for when you're at, over at Taco Tuesday, uh, you know, where you're, where you're going, um, man, it's hot in here. Is it just you? Okay. See what we did there? That was quick. You can use that one. Go ahead and write that one down. And then, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this one. I'll decide if you want to use it. And you could be like, yo, I might need to get a library card because I'm checking you out. Okay? Now, 
I like that one because, you know, there's, a, there's an intellectual component to it, right? Library card, books. Even though one of our interns the other day was like, I don't even know what I do with a library card. Obviously, there are a lot of different ways to approach people and, and to, to break the ice. There are ways that are witty and some cheesy. Some might even be a little bit creepy, as we just demonstrated. But what I want to invite us tonight is to see the simple and yet profound, even unique way that the God of the universe approaches God's people. Starting next week, we are going to set sail on a bit of a road trip with Jesus and get to know him by looking at the things that he did at, at the beginning of his job, at the beginning of his ministry. We're going to look at Jesus and what he did in the first year of, of working. And as we watch what Jesus does, what I think we get is, is a little bit, uh, we get, we begin to understand God's love for his world and God's love for us just a little bit more. But tonight we start by seeing how Jesus approaches and interacts and invites people to come and link up and go on this road trip with him. That's what we're going to do. You guys ready? Thumbs up if you're with me on this. All right, let's, let's go for it. Let's jump right in and see how it is See what kind of pickup lines Jesus uses at the beginning of his work and how people respond. We're going to look at the, at the Gospel of John. That's the fourth book of the New Testament. If you brought your Bibles with you, I encourage you to do that. We're going to be looking at the Bible every week that we meet uh, in this place. First chapter, beginning at verse 35, it says this. John 1, beginning at verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Let me stop right there. John uh, that we read about right here is not the guy who actually wrote this particular piece that we're reading, but this is John the Baptist, uh, the cousin of Jesus, who was also a, a really popular prophet of the day, whose job was simply to, to do what? To point to Jesus. He was so popular that he had his own disciples. Well, it is John and, and his group of guys looking out as the story continues. When, in verse 36, um, when John saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him, John, say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, Jesus replied, and you will see. So they, these two disciples, went where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. All right, let's stop there for a second. Did you catch, did you catch the pickup line? Did you catch the, the invitation? What do you want? Other translations say, what are you seeking? In some way, it was, it was, uh, Jesus coming, uh, coming to them and turning around and almost quickly saying, you know, are we going to do this? You know, almost with these two guys skipping right to a DTR. Now, I love what these guys say. I love what these guys say. say. They respond with a question. Okay, what do you want? And their response is, where are you staying? Now, to my mind's eye at first, at first glance, this was a bit like the creepy question of saying, hey, can you give me the directions to your place? But here's what I think Jesus was trying, what these guys were leaning into. 
As Jesus says, what do you want? What do you seek? And they ask, where are you staying? These guys want to know what they're getting themselves into. It seems like they're doing a bit of an assessment on what does it really mean to follow this one that our former teacher has described as the Lamb of God. When they hear that phrase, what does the Lamb of God actually mean for these disciples in the first century? It meant that there would probably be a lot of tension there. They would hear the Lamb of God as one who is a servant, but a king. As one who is incredibly powerful, but compassionate and gentle. And of course, because they've heard lamb, they might also be thinking a lamb is one that's sacrificed. So what is it that when we follow this lamb of God, we might be getting ourselves into? And I think it's a very human response. It's a very real response, isn't it, for them to say, where are you staying and what in the world might we be getting ourselves into? And Jesus responds with a very simple invitation. Come and see. Now notice what Jesus doesn't say right here. He doesn't say, hey, first go and get yourself right, get all the sin, get all the stuff out of your life, and then come and see. He doesn't say, hey, go build your resume, go accomplish something, and then come and see. It's just a very simple invitation. Come and see. And it was accessible enough because these guys apparently came, they saw, and then it says they stayed the rest of the day and the evening for him. And then we see them again, beginning John 1, verse 40. Next section here. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Well, the first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. Okay, let's stop there for a second. After Andrew makes the introduction... Jesus drops another, a bit of, of a, a pickup line, an invitation, this time in the form of a new name, a nickname. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the significance of this name. It might not seem like a big deal on the surface, but I, I, would, I would suggest that, that it is. In essence, Jesus jumps right from encouraging this guy known as Simon what Jesus does is start telling him about him before he realizes it. He starts telling Simon about Simon before Simon realizes it. Now, Simon in Greek means sandy or pebbles. But Jesus, in approaching him, says, I know who you are. I know who you are. And you will no longer be called sandy You're not going to be called pebbles. You're going to be called rock, rocky. That is, you are going to be solid. It's a, it's a, it's a new nickname. Now, it feels good when somebody knows us by name, right? You are Simon, son of John. When somebody just approaches us and maybe even has a nickname, in the first of what I imagine will be many confessions that I will make before you over the coming year, Let me start by telling you that I am one who is firmly among the ranks of the addicted when it comes to coffee. 
Okay. I have not one, but two different coffee shops that I walk into. And before I say anything, they know my name and my drink. Hey, what's up, the R? You having another caramel sauce Americano today? Sometimes people call me the R, the definitive article and the letter. Ryan's a really common name. It's a nice little nickname. I, only I get the definitive, not Ryan Andrews, not Ryan Pierce. I am the only one that gets the in front of the R. But it feels good, right, to go into my coffee shop and have them know my name and know something about me. And Jesus is communicating essentially this. I know who you are. And in fact, I know you better than you know yourself. And I certainly love you more than you love yourself. And I imagine that Peter is sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. And there's something in him that's going, gosh, I hope this is true. I hope this guy is right. I hope he really knows me that well. Okay, let's continue in the story. A few more verses. This is the last section we'll read together. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Very simple right there. Quick invitation. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, hey, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. (laughs) Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Okay. First, once again, we see a very simple invitation given to Philip. Follow me. And the next thing we see is Philip going out and finding Nathaniel. Now, this scene with Nathaniel, I think, is a little bit more nuanced than some of the other scenes that, that we saw. In the way that Philip approaches Nathaniel, he, he approaches him with, with kind of a, uh, he approaches him as a student with kind of an intellectual approach, as if to say, you know, the one that you have been studying, the one that, that Moses wrote about, the one that, you, that you've been studying in the prophets, hey, we, we found him. He's right here, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, the problem with that is this, that that person that Nathaniel was, had been studying had been seeking. He's looking for the one who is real. He's a little bit shocked when he hears, wait a minute, from Nazareth? Can anything good come come out of Nazareth? And effectively, what Nathaniel was asking would sound something like this. It would be like me standing in front of you and going, Pullman? (laughs) Can anything good come out of Pullman? Right? I mean, you just, it's, it's just not expected. I mean, and listen, I've actually been to Nazareth and I've been to Pullman and Nazareth actually looks a lot like Pullman. (laughs) 
or Pullman a lot like Nazareth, meaning that, you know, it's a, it's a place that you might want to spend a, a day or two, but you'd never want to live there, you'd go to school there, right? Now, here's the thing. As somebody who's a husky in Seattle, that's an easy shot to take, right? But I, I use that to illustrate uh, the reality that to the first century mind, they would think of, of Nazareth as this totally backwoods place. And frankly, even more backwoods than us huskies might think about Pullman. It was surprising, okay? You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't expect uh, the one you've been waiting for to come out of Nazareth. But you see, the approach that Philip took with Nathaniel was to say, I know that you've been studying this. And Philip is trying to meet him in the place of his greatest interest. He gives us a little bit of a snapshot about, about how people meet somebody where they are and then how Jesus is right there as, as that whole encounter and interaction happens. And then, of course, Jesus does for Nathaniel exactly what he did for Peter, right? In the same way that he said, Peter, you are no longer, or he said, Simon, you are no longer going to be called Simon, but Peter, I know who you are. He does the same thing with Nathaniel. I know that you have been seeking what is real. And in our English t- translation, it's tough to, to get the, the, I think the gravity of what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, um, when it, when it says, um, in you there is no deceit. Effectively, what Jesus is saying is, is here I see an Israelite who is going to become the real thing, the true thing. Aletheia is the, is the Greek word used there. Okay. It's, it means truth. Nathaniel, you are going to become the real thing. Peter is going to be solid. You are the real thing. So Jesus comes in, encounters these people, and invites them to come and see. A simple invitation, and he communicates, I know you. I know you. So what does this mean for us? What do these invitations mean for us? How might we respond? Three things as we wrap up. First is this, come, see, and stay. Now, as I share that with you, I want to make this important distinction that to to come, see, and stay, to come and see means do more than just take a glance. What Jesus seems to be after is not merely merely getting people to recognize that the one passing by is the Lamb of God, but it's an invitation to a relationship. It's more than just a glance, more than just a a gawk, like we might do if we saw, you know, Russell Wilson and Ciara walking down the Ave. You know, you're going to, you're going to do a double take. You might even gawk a little bit. Oh my God. You know, you know, that, that type of thing. No, Jesus is calling us to do a little bit more than just take a glance. Let me tell you that as a college freshman here at the University of Washington, I was nominally committed at first to showing up here at the inn, and occasionally I found myself in church on a Sunday. And at first I had the sense of, you know, if I go, you know, to the inn enough, if I go to church just, you know, enough to be okay with God, 
uh, to make sure that God's on my team. Then, you know, when I haven't maybe studied as hard for a test or I'm putting off that paper, God will answer my prayers when I'm cramming, right? That there was this mentality of, I'm going to take just enough of a glance to make sure that I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. Well, it was around about the middle of my sophomore year that I think uh, for me was the moment of saying, no, I'm, I'm going to do more than glance. I'm going to see. And what I discovered there in my sophomore year was that God was seeking me intently, that God knew me way before I ever really knew God and knew what I was getting myself into. There was so much more meaning and depth to a relationship with Jesus than just the thing that I was pursuing when I was just trying to to be okay with God, to be good enough. You see, following Jesus does not allow us to simply stay in the same place and do the same things that we have always done. Come, see, not glance, and stay, like the guys in the story did, requires that we can't just retreat to what we've always done. Not because that's how we earn God's love, and not because that's how we earn salvation, but because Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of God's love in relationship to Jesus. And honestly, I also think God wants us to experience the fullness of ourselves and who he has it in mind for us to be as we come, see, and stay. My invitation to you is take more than a glance. Resolve right now to come and see, not just glance, and see who Jesus really is. The second is this, ask questions. Did you notice that after all these encounters with Jesus and these, and these people, that questions were asked? Where are you staying? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? How did you know me? Here at the end, I want to let you know that we're not only interested in introducing you to Jesus, but in helping you establish a faith today that will stand firm forever. And I am firmly convinced that if that is going to happen, you are going to have to ask questions, lots of them and the hard ones. Several years ago, even as I was on staff here, I found myself in the midst of a bit of a theological crisis. I had one of these moments where going, you know, can I really trust the Bible? Can I really trust the Bible to tell me the truth? And what about all this stuff of Jesus actually dying and rising from the dead? And even in that moment, I asked questions of other staff people, my colleagues. I asked questions of friends. Ask questions uh, of other pastors and even the core group that I was a part of. And what I can tell you is this, that some of the, the, the previous beliefs I had, the preconceived notions, they were shattered. They were burnt down. But out of those ashes grew something bigger and more robust. It was a more full expression or belief that I had than I had before. And it was because I asked questions and journeyed. And sometimes... I got really good answers. And sometimes it was just more questions. I want to assure you that this place is a safe place to do just that, to ask 
questions. In fact, my promise to you is that you can ask any question here and we will do our best to engage it with you. I want to give a, a plug to, we have an apologetics class and an, an apologist, Dwayne, that is, uh, that loves to meet with students. He's got a table tonight. So if you have big questions, that's another resource we have for you to ask big questions. You see, what I'm getting at is that Jesus wants to move you from religion to relationship. And one of the ways that we do that is by asking questions. Jesus wants the whole of you. Jesus wants you to know he knows the whole of you, every doggone part of you, including your questions and doubts. And finally this, expect a difference. The promise of relationship with Jesus is that you are going to experience heaven and earth colliding. And not just after you die, not just in the end times, promises that you can see it right now. In his word to Nathaniel, you have, you have said, you will see greater things than that. Now, the biggest difference that you can expect is this. It's a difference I want to invite you to pay attention to. Is that before you do anything, you are loved. Expect to be loved. What is different about this invitation to come and see Jesus is that it is just in no way contingent on what you do and what you accomplish. Now, it's sometimes tough to live into this difference because we live in a culture of intense competition that says you need to do something to make a name for yourself, to become famous. In fact, so many questions that I'm sure that you will take over the next week, if not month, will be seeking to know you and understand you based on what you've done, based on what you do, based on what you might do, based on what you might accomplish or achieve. Some of you have perhaps even been in relationships like this where you feel like you constantly have to do something in order to experience a sense of being embraced or being loved. That's a bad relationship. Jesus loves you before you do anything. So what I want you to hear tonight is the invitation, the invitation to come and to see, the invitation to ask questions, the invitation to expect a difference, to come and see the one who knows you already, to come and get to know the one who already knows you better than you know yourself. To come and see the one who is willing to die for you. Because you are already loved before you do anything. That's the invitation. Let's, journey, let's get on that journey together as we get to know each other a little bit more in the coming months. Amen? Let's pray. God, we do want to know you. 
thank you for this invitation to come and to see. Thank you that before we do anything, you already know us and you already love us. God, we long to live in, to, to know how real that love for us is. And so uh, as, we, as we do journey together, teach us, guide us, uh, bring us closer together as you bring us closer to you. That's our prayer. And be with us. Be with all these new students as they uh, set sail on this, this new adventure here at, at UW, at SPU, at SU, at wherever they might be, be headed to school. Uh, God, we pray that they would feel at home, not only here, but I I on campus and in the places uh, that they live. We are so grateful for your presence and your provision uh, that is real. Make it more real to us as we journey together. And it's in Christ's name we pray.